This is the Create Love, Create Freedom podcast. My name is Allison Fisher, and on today's episode, we are going to be talking about how to cultivate the life you want by being in your feminine high value energy. So high value, being a high value woman, attracting high value men. These are concepts I've been thinking about for, I'd say probably over 10 years, but it is something I continue to kind of refine in my own mind. What does high value mean? What does it look like? How has that changed as I have aged, as I have been in some relationships that maybe seemed like they were going in the direction that I was looking for, a deep closeness and connection, and then in fact, they kind of diverted in a different way. So what I realized was I need to continue refining not only what I'm looking for, you know, not just looking for the one, but really becoming the one, becoming the one that a high value man is deeply attracted to and wants to partner with, wants to build with, wants to create, I guess to some degree, maybe a little empire, right? Um, But also, you know, wants that love, that connection, that closeness, right? That sense of home that sense of, you know, really creating a deep sense of belonging. And over the years, again, I kind of continue to refine that. So not only do I want to be the kind of woman that that kind of man is attracted to, but I also want to be that woman simply for myself. So that, let's say, I continue throughout my life and I never find anyone. I never find anyone that I'm looking for, uh, you know, that that kind of person I'm looking for. Yet I can still be this incredibly high value woman, maybe in the eyes of other people, but more specifically in my own eyes. And that's one of the biggest things I think that makes you high value. First, you have to believe it. You have to be cultivating, constantly looking at um, you know, how how to keep working on that, how to keep getting to that place. So, of course, one of the things that I really love to do is listen to what other people have to say and also read and study and do some research on things. So, I was recently listening to a podcast episode with Sadia Khan. Many of you may have seen her, uh, you know, she's quite popular on TikTok and on YouTube, and she's been on some, you know, really profound podcasts, including, I believe, Chris Williamson's podcast, Modern Wisdom, um, although I haven't listened to that episode just yet. Um, but I was listening to a podcast episode that she was on, and she said, and, and I found this really profound because it really helped me refine what high value, what being a high value woman really means to me. And it was a very different perspective. So Sadia Khan said, high value woman is determined by the level of man she can say no to and resist. If she can only attract low value men and only say no to them, she's really not that high value. 
if she can get top tier men who are all after her and she is still selective, she's a high value woman. Now, obviously, if she were to really see that one of those top tier men was really her fit, right? He you know, they, they really fit well together, then obviously, then she would start dating him, potentially marry him, whatnot. But if she is attracting top tier men, and they're still not quite the right fit, and she can resist those men and still be selective, then she's a high value woman. And Sadia Khan said, top tier you know, being a top tier man means they're men who have an incredible amount of options and they aren't just interested in sleeping with that woman um, in order to be with her. So they're, they're looking for other qualities as well. And she's still selective based, even based upon that criteria, right? They're not just looking for, you know, um, uh, the one night stand kind of thing, right? They're really looking for the woman that they can also build with. And if she can still be selective at that time and not just kind of fall to the feet of whatever man is paying her attention, then she's a high value woman. Sadia Khan really kind of defined high value, at least in her mind. And that was not only do you have a lifestyle that is high value, and of course, each one of us creates that, to some degree, society will kind of try to say, oh, this is high value, right? Um, maybe driving a certain car or living in a certain um, city or you know, having a certain kind of house or wearing designer labels. But I very much believe that high value, especially when we look at old money, um, and look very differently. Um, I am a person who really enjoys quiet luxury. It's not loud. It's not in your face. It's simple, refined, sophisticated. That's just me, but we all get to define what, um, what that looks like, what high value looks like to us. But she said, not only do you have a lifestyle that is high value, but you also create an emotional connection that is high value, which means you're really creating a sense of safety, loyalty, and trust that is incredibly high value, um, yet it's also incredibly hard to achieve. And I find that that is really interesting because what I've noticed is not only just simply the more education I have, and the more money that I make, right? The more successful I am. That doesn't, it, those aren't the only things that make the pool of men that both I'm attracted to and that are attracted to me. Uh, that's, those aren't the only things that make it smaller. On top of that, Saudi Khan in a, in a different podcast episode was talking about men in Dubai. And she was saying with a lot of the people that she works with, men are cheated on, rich men are cheated on more often. And it's often because these rich men have, they have lifestyles, right? Where they are working all the time in order to have created that wealth. 
And a woman who's looking for that emotional connection, she's not willing to give up quest for the emotional connection with the man simply in order to have the lifestyle. So these wealthy men tend to date and marry women who are willing to let go of the emotional connection, or at least they tell themselves they can. And instead they go after the lifestyle. And so what often happens is, well, the lifestyle is great for them, but guess what? There's still something missing. And that's the emotional connection that goes along with that. Now, I'm a very firm believer that, at least for me, I don't have to give up either of those things. I can still have the lifestyle, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it is only provided by the man. But what it does mean is that, you know, I'm I'm contributing in my own ways, right? With my own feminine intuition and wisdom and my own... um you know, desire to succeed and achieve and, uh, you know, going after the things that I want. But so I'm, I'm willing to help build that lifestyle. But what I'm not willing to give up is the emotional connection. And so I find that really very interesting because the high value woman, she doesn't compromise. She's not operating from a place of self-worth deficit. He knows her value and her worth. She has criteria for her partner and her future spouse, and she won't compromise. And being high value also means that her partner did not have to compromise to be with her. I think that that's a really important part as well, because what I have seen, and we'll get into it a little bit deeper, but when we are either in our wounded feminine or distorted feminine uh, kind of energies, we will you know, or depending on our feminine archetype, right? If we're operating in the shadow, we will often um, either kind of, because of the external things that we bring, right? And the, the person really hasn't gotten to know, gotten past all of the masks that we wear. Then what will often happen, you know, what will often happen is that Somewhere deep down, we believe that they have, our partner has really compromised in order to be with us because we don't see our value and worth first. And yet at the same time, what really creates that beautiful relationship is when both people know that they have partnered with and married someone who is a treasure, is a jewel. Um, and someone who is to be cherished instead of simply someone who married up or down. One of the things that I'm really finding, um, you know, as I pro- approach age of 40, um, you know, with the, the kind of, I guess, background that I have, the kind of education, um, the success, the, uh, I would say, you know, with the the business that I'm building, you know, all the different kinds of things. And then just simply that kind of solid sense of self-worth. What I have found is that men will self-select out. So one of the things that I do to also ensure that lower value men are not attracted to me is by right now, I maintain myself. 
I maintain this high standard of living. Now it's not as high as some people, but it's not, you know, kind of my own space right now. And the things that I like to do, the way that I take care of and treat myself, that is something very specific to me. It's also in the way that I speak to myself um, because I am setting the stage for how that partner, how that spouse will also treat me. Um, how they will also, you know, kind of bring positive or negative thoughts and energy into the marriage and into my life. And so for me, right now, I maintain myself. And one of the rather new standards that I have for myself is that I do not date men who make the same amount of money that I do or less money than I do. More so than just the dollar amount. It's really about the mindset. I'm really interested in someone who's also, to some degree, entrepreneurial, um, you know, is focused on business, right? Now, they may have come at it a completely different way. You know, maybe they're much stronger in the sciences, right? Um, although, of course, uh, with psychology and those different kinds of things, research is fascinating to me and something that I will be pursuing, you know, in the future. Um, I've actually been looking at some different uh, programs that would really, I don't know, I I guess set myself up for my my 50s, my 60s, my 70s, right? My 80s, my 90s. Um, And so what I find to be really interesting is that a lot of men will self-select away because they know they can't offer me the level of provision the level of financial backing that I already provide for myself right now. That doesn't mean they aren't great men. You know, I I haven't, you know, I'm sure that some of them are not and some of them are, but at the same time, we're, we're striving towards different things. So, um, one of the things that I find really interesting is and we'll get into it a little bit later as well, but Sadia Khan spoke about um, how we really need to choose a person who is our type and you are their type. So uh, a person, you know, choose a person who chooses you and you choose them and then you'll have mutual respect. So let's dive a little bit deeper into what it means to be high value. Again, every person has to decide this for themselves. But in my mind, being a high value woman means living to some degree countercultural to what society tells you you should be. Um, this is the kind of woman who's no longer a slave to the standards of the world. She sets her own standard and she chooses to live the life that she wants to live, not the life that other people tell her she has to, whether that is her parents, whether that is her peers, whether that is society. And one of the things that I have found really interesting is that women who live and love on their own terms, they don't ask for permission. They don't abide by society's standards or rules. 
They abide by their own standards. What is high value to them? Because even five or 10 years ago, high value was a little bit different to me at those times. Now I've also gotten to the place where, you know, as I approach the age of 40, um, listen, I have waited this long. Someone will reach the, be at the same standards that I am, or I'm okay with not being married. I'm okay with, you know, not partnering with someone. Now, I do believe, obviously, I have only lived a certain portion of my life and there's a lot left to go. And so, you know, I can't determine necessarily, uh, you know, I, I don't like being in that kind of thinking of, well, I'll never find a man. Well, I don't know that, right? I am doing my best to not only set myself up for that, but what I'm really doing is knowing my value and my worth having a standard that I stand by. And then also, to some degree, learning how to be a little bit selfish, doing what's best for me. That doesn't mean I discard people along the way, but what it does mean is, uh, because, okay, so in society, what I have noticed is that a lot of women are taught to be nice, right? Or taught to be kind. And so by going a little bit more towards, hey, you know what, I'm going to start putting some of my own needs first, rather than bending over backwards for someone at every point, right? Because that's simply how you get used in life. Certainly has been me. I've been a doormat. Most of my 20s and into my 30s, I was a doormat. And I have learned how to have a backbone. I've learned how to say no. And so doing what's best for you, this can really seem kind of selfish. But what I've really found is that within our society, right, the social mores tell us that womanhood is defined by giving of yourself, over giving, being sacrificial, being kind and being nice and being accommodating. And, you know, again, when I study women throughout history. A particular favorite of mine is Cleopatra, right? I mean, we're going real ancient there. Um, and I've read several books on Cleopatra, but women who rule their own lives and find equal love, they learn how to put themselves first, at least part of the time, part of their day. They are focused in on themselves. And I remember that quote, I believe it was Mae West who said, maybe it wasn't Mae West, but I love that quote, which is, well-behaved women rarely make history. And I think that this is a really important thing to dig into when we're really looking at what it means to be high value for us. Because what I have found is if I toe the line, if I do what other people tell me I should do, if I am behaved, as a woman, right? Respectability politics. If I am respectable in the eyes of society, then, you know, and again, it's more than just making history, but it's really carving out the life I want for myself. So social mores, sexual mores, again, respectability politics. This is how not only Men keep women in check through behavior, through conduct, right? 
This is how women keep other women in check. So for me, I need to, of course, know the rules. But then I also need to know which rules I want to break so that I can create the life that I'm really looking for. What I have found is that the women who achieve power in society, in the world, this kind of power could be really kind of, you know, it doesn't just have to be political power. It doesn't just have to be, um, you know, uh, power when it comes to being a celebrity or those kinds of things. But I mean the kind of power where she has sovereignty over her own life and chooses who she partners with rather than allowing old wounds and trauma to determine who she partners with. Um, she doesn't allow society to tell her, you know, what her life needs to be, right? That's power. That power isn't trying to control anybody else. It is simply her, uh, you know, that high value woman reigning her, you know, as queen of her own life. Um, so when we look at a woman who achieves this kind of power, a lot of that internal power, self-sovereignty, she doesn't pay attention to the rules, right? There are so many rules that are given to us. And what I have found is that a lot of these rules were used to confine, to keep women, quote, respectable. But they also weren't made for us. They were made to keep us kind of in a cage, right? Um, to keep us something pretty to look at, right? But not something with a voice. Um, not a person who pursues a path that is really important to us. Now, don't get me wrong, over time, things have changed quite a bit. Um, I had a conversation with my grandmother years ago, but it was before she died. And, you know, she was uh, born in the 1920s. I think it was the end of the 20s. Um, but obviously she was in her 20s during World War II. And she said some of the best years of her life was when she left Ohio and she traveled to Washington, D.C. And she worked. Uh, she had a, a small, tiny little apartment with two of her other girlfriends. And she said, I felt so free. I had escaped uh, my mother. Um, I, you know, didn't have a boyfriend. I wasn't tied down to anything. And because it was wartime, she could really move in any direction that she wanted. Men were overseas fighting for the most part. And that allowed women the autonomy to have a lot more options. But she also said that, you know, as, you know, life kind of went back to quote normal, right, in the 50s and whatnot, my grandfather was very much the presider of the household, which can be a good thing. I mean, I think nowadays we look at masculine leadership as something negative. And in fact, I think it's an incredibly important and beautiful thing because if I am in my feminine, my healthy feminine energy, I don't want to be leading all the time. 
I'm already having to lead in so many areas of my life. It is nice to relax and allow a man to take that space to be in his leadership role. Now, it should, in my opinion, be from that very kind, maybe not always gentle, but sometimes gentle, um, but that place where he deeply loves and respects, right? He it's it's a form of is a form of service, and it's also a form of worship to the feminine, to the woman that he deeply loves and cares about. But my grandmother said, you know, she raised five children, and she was able to do a little volunteering here and there. Um, but she said, you know, I she said I wouldn't say that I'm envious of your aunt, you know, her daughter, and my mother. She said, but I wish that I would have been born a generation later where I could have gone to, you know, university. I could have learned more things and worked outside the home, carving out a path for myself, yet also being a loving wife and mother. My big thing with society, especially now, is that a lot of times we're told, climb the corporate ladder. That's where you're going to find your happiness. Why should I choose? I shouldn't have to choose one or the other. You know, the rules don't have to apply to you, just like they don't have to apply to me. I don't have to be in this gilded cage, you know, where the rules were made to keep me feeling insecure, small, seeking approval, to control me, right? Um, and so I, I think that this is really important to really take a look at and to kind of figure out, okay, so if these are some things that I'm changing my mind about, that also changes how I approach, how I want to be in my kind of uh, feminine space, and also where I want to be as that very deeply, uh, you know, feminine woman, um, but also that high value woman for me. And I think that it's so interesting because you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Um, you know, and when I think of the women that have made history, they didn't follow society's rules. They were fairly salacious and scandalous. They really had to first rid themselves of the need to be liked or the need for someone else to approve of them. Let me just tell you, um, this has been hard for me as well. I have wanted to be liked most of my life. I also realize that that stems from being a formerly anxiously attached person. Right? Uh, I be really believe that my mother spent most of my childhood trying to kind of indoctrinate that in me so that she was always in control, right? But once you let go of that need to be liked, or for someone else to approve of you and your choices. You kind of set yourself free. You get out of that gilded cage. And 
what I find, you know, again, when we when we study the women who make history, these are the women that society both simultaneously loves and hates. So one of the things that I've had to really get comfortable with is people saying, I don't like that. I don't like what you do. I don't like your podcast. I don't like how you speak. I don't like these other things. And don't get me wrong. There are days when it's a little hard and it's like, wow, that was a that was a hard blow. At the same time, though, it's incredibly important to have people in your life. And of course, you know, nowadays it's people that we don't know. People that love you, of course, and also people that don't love you at all. That's a necessary part to me of being able to create those being able to really liberate yourself, being able to live life on your own terms, and also really partner with the kind of men who deeply love your, maybe your irreverent side, your independent side, but also that need for closeness that you have as well. You're not in your unhealthy feminine, but you're also not you know, you know, the unhealthy feminine where you are overly dependent on someone, but you're also not in that feminine where you are hyper-independent, right? You're not in your masculine all the time. And so again, the women who make history, society simultaneously loves and hates them. They aren't women who play by the rules because they know that the game is rigged. So what they've had to really do is say, I'm going to change the game I'm playing. I'm going to cultivate what high value means to me. Um, and I, I find that that is incredibly profound. And that is something that really helps us step forward, uh, move forward in our lives and really take life by the lapels. You know, like grasp onto it and say, okay, as far as I know, I get this one life and I'm going to make it the most exceptional thing possible that, you know, that I can. Because I don't want to be getting into my 70s, 80s, and 90s and wishing that I would have done something different. I'm living the life that I want and then I'm looking to kind of constantly cultivate. Now, granted, it's not going to immediately happen. One of the things I love, um, I follow a members club that is um, with Carrie Green and the Female Entrepreneur Association. And she constantly says, oh yeah, people will tell you that as an entrepreneur that you're an overnight success after you've put in 10 years of hard work. So anyway, uh, I totally get that. So let's look at some of the ways that we can really cultivate the life we want. Um, by being in our high value feminine energy, which of course, what defines high value is going to constantly be refined over the years. But again, I think the first thing is really knowing that the game is rigged. Um, also, know that you will not please everyone, and that people will condemn your choices. They're going to condemn your choices. They're going to, you know, constantly uh, think that you should be doing something different. 
whether that is your parents, whether that is, you know, um, uh, the people around you, whether that sometimes maybe is even your spouse or the person you partner with, your siblings, your friends. And one of the things um, I found it in a notebook that I wrote down um, from March 23rd of 2020 when I was reading a book on Cleopatra. And, you know, I, I'm not. I can't even remember which book it was, so I can't directly quote it. But, uh, and, and I'm not even sure if some of these words are my own. Uh, there is a quote that I will use that was from one of the Cleopatra books. I don't even know which one because I didn't properly cite it in my notebook. But going forward, uh, just you know, kind of note that what I wrote down was: you can't control whether people respect you. So much of the time, what others say and do is a projection of their own reality and their own dream. And then the quote is, it is notable that when she, Cleopatra, is not being condemned for being too bold and masculine, Cleopatra is taken to task for being continually frail, or excuse me, from being unduly frail and feminine. So here's the thing. People are going to judge you. They're going to judge you regardless of what you do. They're going to condemn your choices and you're not going to be able to please everyone. And then the last portion that I wrote down was the key to being less affected by these condemnations of others might lie in understanding that when you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't suffer. When you don't suffer, you can't radiate your... Oh, excuse me. When you don't suffer, you can radiate your feminine love and have your cool masculine strategy. So this is basically where you're uniting both your masculine and your feminine. And I, I think that this is really important. When you're immune to the actions and opinions of others, you won't suffer. You can hold your head high like the sovereign queen of your own life. You place the crown on your own head. Another way to cultivate the life that you want uh, by being in your feminine high-value energy is live by your own rules. You have most likely been alive long enough to know what quite a few of the rules of society are and how you've been indoctrinated with them. So you have to live by and create your own rules. Now, one of the things that I will tell you, there is a flip side, there is a negative aspect of that, and that is that you are going to stand out to some degree, which means that you are going to be open to ridicule and condemnation. So you're going to, again, just have to work on having a thick skin. Um, you know, for, for a lot of my life, especially in my 20s, I didn't really know how to do that well. I took a lot of things personally. But I think what it really has to do with is even when your self-esteem takes a hit, your self-worth does not. Your self-esteem is more based upon, and I did a podcast episode on this, by the way, um, your self-esteem is more based upon you know what other people say about you 
what your self-worth is what you say about yourself. So the more rock solid you can create that self-worth, the less that condemnation will really bother you. Instead, you will say, that's okay. You can disagree with how I live my life. I'm still going to do this anyway. While, of course, constantly refining it as you go along. Another, um, another thing when you are cultivating the life you want is you create your own definition of what being a high-value woman means to you, right? As we've been talking about, it's going to constantly change. It's going to constantly grow. It doesn't have to stay stagnant. And in fact, I would say, should not stay stagnant. It's kind of like, um, I would say, style. I'm not a person who's necessarily into fashion. Fashion comes and goes. Style is eternal. I tend to dress a little bit more like a French woman. I really love black and white and um, caramel colors or tan, right? Uh, I will partner and pair that with some other colors, particularly, you know, um, pink and green. Also like some red and some blue. Uh, But for me, my style evolves, right? As I age, as I mature, as my lifestyle changes and I need different kinds of things. Yet at the same time, it consistently stays sophisticated and it consistently stays true to who I am at that moment. But I also very much allow my sense of style to change. And occasionally I'll put some more fashion-y pieces in of the moment. Right. But for the most part, Uh, I actually had a friend uh, today say, I'm really surprised with all the self-care that you do that you don't get fake eyelashes. She's like, I could, you know, send you to the woman who does my eyelashes. And I said, well, not that I think poorly about any other women who get their eyelashes done, but I personally, um, you know, I like my very clean makeup products, partly because my PCOS, everything is absorbed through the skin and it can't have chemicals and whatnot. But I, you know, I, I tend to go, unless there's some sort of event, it tends to be fairly subtle. I'm not trying to contour my face. If you contour your face, that's awesome. Do you? Okay. But for me, it's not really my thing. Um, I'm trying to look like the best version of Allison, not the celebrity version of someone else. And again, if you're contouring your face, I'm not saying that that's what you're doing. I'm just saying that there are quite a few people who see that, you know, um, certainly, you know, TikTok, Instagram, whole bit. So cultivate your own definition of what being high value means to you. Another way to cultivate the life that you want. You don't have to live by society's respectability politics. You don't have to live by the social mores that you're given. You carve your own path. Now, that doesn't just simply mean that you discard everything, right? Because there are some things that are useful and necessary in life. But for the most part, you carve your own path. Another thing that I think really, I I think that high value women have learned how to do 
they may do it all, you know, all a little bit differently because obviously they're different kinds of women, but they date differently. So again, this is another way to cultivate um, that high value feminine energy. So when you're in your feminine, you're not chosen. You do the choosing. Now, you still allow a man to pursue you to, you know, show that he is actually deeply interested in you, which I have messed up several times in my life. Um, but I have first chosen which men have access to me, right? I'm also able to resist and say no to not only low value men, um, men who don't read you know, meet my standard. I've decided uh, more recently that, you know, the last relationship I was in, he was divorced and he had a child. And I'm just not at that point in my life where I really want to repeat that. I am instead really interested in, I would say most likely my ideal man is someone who is in their 40s, has been pursuing their career very diligently. They are most likely, if not introverted, fairly introspective, uh, fairly intuitive. Um, they are someone who has built a lot of relationship skills because they are not the men who have a high body count. They have had a couple of long-term relationships that for whatever reason have not worked out. But this is a man who doesn't spend his time in bars drinking. He doesn't own a TV because he reads. Um, this is a man who has hobbies and male friendships. But he is looking for, he's, he's at that place in his life where he has said, I have been building in the material world. I have been putting my financial resources together. And now I'm looking for that person who, that woman, who is both feminine oracle, right? She brings her feminine wisdom. She's my lover, my dirty girl, um, my companion. Um, she is, you know, the, um, again, the oracle in my life. She is giving that feminine wisdom. She is also someone who is, you know, operating from a level where she can give advice. She's an advisor in my life, but she's also my best friend. And she, you know, that's the kind of woman he's looking for. And he's ready to take that next step into marriage and children. Even slightly older. I mean, again, I thought he'd be married and have children by now, but I'm also completely unwilling to settle for anything less than what that what that high value man looks like so for me and i think for for most high value women they learn how to cultivate a pool of high value men to choose from because although they allow a man to pursue them they first decided who has access to them these are also the kinds of women who distance themselves from men who don't want to provide for them, who don't want to protect them, who don't want to offer their masculine leadership. Otherwise, the interesting thing is you're going to have to do that for yourself. 
if you are attracting those kinds of men who are in their wounded masculine, who have no direction, you know, who sometimes need your financial backing, you're always going to be the man in that relationship, or at least the masculine in that relationship. So I think it's really important. And I think what high value women do is that they distance themselves from men who don't want to provide for them, who don't want to protect, who don't offer their leadership so that they can step into their feminine when they need to and when they want to. Um, you know, otherwise they're going to have to lead him rather than him, you know, the man being in his masculine leadership and you being in your feminine leadership or essence and, you know, and acting as an oracle, which by the way, that's a form of leadership and that's a form of feminine leadership. It doesn't mean he has dominion over you, right? It's constantly controlling you and tossing you in a dungeon. Although when that's written into a dark mafia romance book, it's kind of odd. But anyway, um, do you ever, okay, maybe it's just me, but do you ever read those romance characters kind of like in Hunting and Haunting Adeline and you're like, in real life, I'd be like the straining order, but in a book, you're just like, hmm, that, mm, that gets me. Zade, baby. Anyway, continuing on with how high-value women date differently. You're going to want to choose men who can help you build your ideal life and the your ideal partnership. So yes, maybe um you know building the lifestyle that you want in the material world, but more than that really being able to partner with you. Uh that man who just cherishes you, worships you to some extent, just is is crazy in love with you, a little bit obsessed. I always love those book characters too. A little bit obsessed. Um, and you know, where where you're both able to yes, create in the material world, but you as the feminine, you are really able to be that portal into the spiritual realm for him. The spiritual realm where material things are nice, but that close partnership, those close friendships, those bigger things that matter to you guys, right? Purpose that you are both moving forward in the world. That's a priority. That's something important. Um, I think that high value women, women, uh, you know, when, when looking at dating uh, and how they date differently, they don't settle. They may have moments, and this happened to me a couple months ago. I had a man who had reached out, and for a moment I thought, oh, oh, interesting. Okay, tell me a little bit more. And then eventually it came to that point where I was like, oh, yeah, okay, no, not for me. That's, you know, each one of us has to choose what settling looks like. Um, I think particularly going back through your past relationships and saying, oh, yeah, okay, wow, there's a pattern here. I settled here, and here are the reasons why. Here's the, here are the kind of core wounds that I have or had um, that really, uh, you know, settling was so easy to do in these circumstances. But instead, 
looking at how you, you know, maybe uh, settled in the past and deciding that that's not a pattern you're repeating anymore. And then, you know, we talked a little bit about type when I talked about what Sadia Khan said, but here's the other thing. I talk with a lot of people and say, the type of person that you should be with is also the type of person who's choosing you. So if you're not attracting what you truly want, change your type. Change your type. One of the things that really helped me understand what kind of my quote type was, because my type is not, oh, he drives a Porsche and he's really hot. Those are fleeting things. He could lose all of his money. You don't know if that if he owns that goddamn Porsche. Maybe he's in debt up to his eyeballs, right? Think things through a little bit. It looks real shiny on the outside, right? That man who spends, you know, I think it's wonderful to spend time either at the gym or physical activity or however you want to do that, uh, or however a man wants to do that. But, you know, is is he the guy who's constantly posing on Instagram or on TikTok with his shirt off? First of all, he's only shiny on the outside, sweetheart. Is he good on the inside? Is he a man of integrity and purpose? Is he grounded in who he is? Or does he kind of sway and blow in the breeze, right? The other thing is, I know that this is not something that anyone wants to hear or that most people want to hear, although I find aging to be a wonderful thing. He is not going to look that way at 90 from a long-term perspective. Be strategic. And again, change your type. If you're not attracting what you truly want, more than just the nice body, more than just the stuff, what kind of character are you looking for? What kind of man is going to be raising your son and your daughter? Or two sons and two daughters or whatever it is. But the I think one of the other things too that really helped me understand what my type was, um, I learned a lot from Aisha Faines. Uh, she runs the, um, or used to run the website, Women Love Power. She has several you know master classes where you can dive into the feminine, uh, or I should say the yeah, the, fe- uh, the female feminine archetypes. And then also the Uh, There are seven of them. And then there are eight masculine archetypes. And she talks a lot about who do you naturally attract, but you can't be in your um, shadow, the shadow qualities of of your feminine archetypes, right? You're always going to be attracting someone who isn't great for you long-term. Well, frankly, who isn't even great for you in the short-term. But instead, finding what those natural attractions are. And that's going to show up in some different packages. Be okay with that. Unless you just want to go for body beautiful and more power to you, girl. (laughs) Let me know how that turns out. Uh, So one of the things that I heard when 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 we talk about changing your type, um, I found it really fascinating to rethink the idea of what type means. And I heard something, I heard someone say, they're not your type, 
They're your past pattern. Oh, take a really hard look at the kinds of people that you have been attracting. Are they your type? Are they really? Or is that just those those patterns of unhealed wounds and trauma that keep popping up for you in the form of men? Good thing to think about. Another thing as well, again, we're going to get into some strategy looking long-term. Don't only choose a man for his future potential. I see so many women, and I used to do this too in my 20s. Oh, he has so much potential. Bullshit. What is he doing right now? Is Now, that great, great. He has potential. But if he hasn't turned that into anything, in or or isn't working on turning that into anything in his 30s in his in his 20s in his 30s in his 40s in his 50s that's what you get not what he potentially could be in the future now the future is an important aspect to look at right um you know his past as well look at you know um the the tough things that he went through in his life but also really look at his pleasant or present. Play the long game. Be strategic. Think about the long haul. You know, you're going to be with this man when you, most likely, unless of course you divorce, but that is not the goal. You're going to be with him in your 50s and your 60s and your 70s. All these years in the future, is he capable of handling who you are? Um, one of the things that we are going to look at is we're, we're going to look at, you know, um, like I, I guess, you know, the, the kind of relationship skills. We're going to take a, a deep dive into that. But I think that it's so important to have standards going to need to honor your desires. Your desires are not wrong. You may need to tweak them a little bit if the desire is something that you find is actually fairly unhealthy for you. You have a healthier uh, kind of desire, but when you're really in that place of being very healthy, you will want to only accept and date men who are within your standards and desires. You can't be outside of the standards that you have set. Another thing as well, uh, when it comes to, you know, cultivating the life you want by being in this high value feminine energy is look at your feminine wounds. Are you the wounded feminine? Are you attracting distorted masculine energy that's domineering? emotionally unavailable, emotionally neglectful, distant? Are you changing to conform and and please other people or that man in order to earn love and affection and attention? Do you constantly feel like you're just waiting for a man to show up and, and save you, validate you, choose you? Or are you also the distorted feminine? Are you really operating from that place where you've had a lot of deep wounds and 
you're the one who's more emotionally distant. You're overly independent, hyper-independent, and you overwork yourself to really gain safety and security and success and, and to really prove yourself worthy of being equal to a man. What if, you, what if we shift our thought process and say, who says I want to be equal to a man? doesn't mean I, I'm trying to rule over a man, but I have a different, I, I have different innate skills, innate wisdom by being feminine. Do, you know, are you the kind of woman who attracts immature, wounded, masculine energy that really lacks purpose and needs mothering, needs financial support? These are some wounds that you're really going to have to dive into. Because what happens is, is that you're accepting men who are not at your level or not at the level of provision that you desire. I had a really interesting conversation today um, because again, I, I think sometimes we can get more into our hyper or more into our, yeah, hyper independent feminine and it more in our masculine energy. Because partly, you know, um, I mean, even for myself now, like I have to be in my masculine at some points during the day because I do have to provide for myself. There's no one else to provide for me. At the same time, I am really in that place of learning, you know, I've got a good foundation for it, but I'm constantly learning how to receive from the masculine more so. So today I went and had a facial. And the woman that um, I got the facial from, she was telling me, because uh, I, I was discussing some of those things with her, you know, the being too much in our masculine energy and where we feel like we kind of need to control the masculine or keep him at a bit of a distance. And she said, I had a panic attack a couple of days ago and I decided to let him care for me. And she said, not only did, she goes, I was shocked by the fact that when I allowed him to do that, he stepped up and he showed me things about him that I didn't even know he was capable of. Now, she knows he is capable of handling all of the facets of who she is. So, you know, she, uh, you know, had told him what had happened or whatever, this panic attack. He left work three hours early. She didn't even know it until the next day. He left work three hours early and he did a little research on how to soothe panic attack. So what he did, and she tells me that, uh, you know, she loves to cook. Um, there are some restaurants that she loves that are absolutely her favorite. He ordered a certain dish from 12 different places. Or maybe some of the dishes were from similar places. But anyway, 12 different dishes. And he gave her a little piece of paper and he said, if you, for each one of these that you get right, I will be doing something for you. And she said, of course, I got them all right. She goes, but by having to, by trying the food, all my favorite things. And again, that was very soothing to her. But it also took her out of her head and thinking about the panic attack, thinking about, you know, having these ruminating thoughts, feeling shame and guilt for having a panic attack. 
And then when she got them right, she said, he did all these little things. The first thing was, he gave me a back massage. Well, that's physical touch. That's the somatic experience. Then the next thing was, he drew me a bubble bath. Again, learning how to really release some of those negative things, right? The panic attack. And instead absorb really healthy, soothing things. And she said, it drew us so much closer together because I decided I was going to let him handle it. I was going to let him lead. He showed me that he was grounded, that he could hold all the pieces of who I am. Now, of course, she reciprocates in so many ways in their relationship, but how beautiful is that? What if, now, now, Granted, if you're in a relationship with a man and you give him that space to step up, and let's say you do it multiple, multiple times, and he does not, he is not the right man for you. The right man is able to hold that capacity. You're able to deepen into the relationship because you allow a man to care for you. Men are hardwired to provide to care for you, to protect you, to lead when you need it. That doesn't mean that you're less of a woman or, you know, that you are, but you're going to get your feminist card taken, right? We can still be strong, independent women and lean on our man, just like he can lean on us. He can cry, right? He could have those different facets of who he is. And I just, I thought that that was so profoundly important and so beautiful to see that she said, I, I actually put it into action. I decided to give it a try. And she goes, I have never done that. Uh, apparently they have been friends for six years. And she said, I've never done that before. So she also didn't know what he was capable of. He may have not known what he was capable of. And she said it made him feel so good to be able to do that for me. And she said he was actually able to do it much faster, uh, much better, much deeper for me than if I would have tried to do it by myself. And of course, that's the beauty of co-regulation. Belonging, connection, intimacy, yeah, one another. So I have two more things for you when it comes to, you know, how to really cultivate, um, you know, and, and how you will kind of continue to cultivate and define being a high value woman, really cultivate the life that you want. And one of those is being very careful about Providing a man that you are casually dating with the things that a wife would do. See, here's the thing. You don't always need to cook him a meal. That's something a wife does. You don't always need, you know, he doesn't always need to have access to you. That's what a wife is, right? Um, and you don't give him the title of husband until he has shown you that 
He can handle all of those parts of you. You don't do the things that the wife does until he's given you that commitment. Um, you know, I will sometimes hear women say, oh, well, you know, but I just need to, I need to clean his apartment because, um, I need to show him that, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm good at cleaning a house. First of all, he can come by your place and see what a good house cleaner you are. You don't need to be doing all the things for him. You don't need to treat him like a little boy. And if you do, if he is looking for someone to mother him, you need to take a step back and realize that that kind of man is only going to push you more into your unhealthy feminine, where you, you know, have, have in this feminine body, have moved much more into your masculine state, the distorted feminine. We as women have to very much protect our energy. We have to realize that you know, we're not here to care for, you know, um, every need of the man. Um, you know, we can certainly care for a lot of them, but we need to have first established the kind of relationships where it's reciprocal. We do that for one another. And I think one of the things that high value women do is uh, you know, I, I don't know if they've actually kind of fully moved in maybe to their divine feminine space. I talk a lot about that on Instagram, but that high value woman, that divine feminine, she inspires the masculine to live at his edge and live out his highest purpose. She doesn't lower her standards to align with the masculine who is really repeating those old wounds and stories that are holding him back. She walks by his side as he heals his own wounds, but she doesn't try to fix or control him. She allows him to step up for her. He must change himself. She cannot change him, and he cannot change her. So again, she doesn't lower that kind of vibrational frequency to match his, particularly if he is at that lower level. It gives him the opportunity to step up into that higher level because she is showing that he is guiding him in that way. She's already at that space, but she does not lower herself. She serves as, as an oracle to show him his lower energy. And, you know, and she does that as he's growing. Yet she maintains healthy boundaries to really protect herself. I think it's really important to, to take a look at that, to see where that stacks up, both in uh, you know, your dating life, but also, you know, the, the men or maybe even the man that you have chosen at this point in your life. But to just kind of finish things out when it comes to the dating. High-value women date someone who has cultivated and established actual relationship skills. Again, it's not just body beautiful. It's not just the stuff. It's not just the money. It's not just the lifestyle. Relationship skills are conflict resolution, leaning in, right? Trying to repair when conflict has taken place wanting to understand and know you better, 
communicating. This is where you feel safe and protected. He provides, he pays, he plans dates, he's financially stable. He is kind and empathetic. He values the same things you do. doesn't mean that he has to value marriage and kids if you don't. If those aren't things that you're looking for, that's okay. But he has integrity. He respects you. He respects himself. He's also incredibly consistent. And he's absolutely crazy about you. When we are in relationships with men who, you know, we can kind of tell, okay, um, I am working on cultivating being this high value woman and what that means to me. And he's maybe not at that same level. You know, I'm not going to control him. I'm not going to try to get him there. I can't do it. He has to do it for himself. Also, I don't want to do it for him. I've had to do all the work on me. He should also be doing the work on him. So you can offer, or you you can often, excuse me, need to take a step back from that kind of man until he reaches a state of growth and healing and shows commitment to his growth by changing his habits, his behaviors, his old patterns. So this is the woman who takes a step back not because she doesn't love or believe in him, but to protect her own healing, her own energy, and her vibrational frequency. She serves as the light that guides the masculine out of his darkness. She's his inspiration. But she also realizes that, you know, if he is also not that high value man, then She's not always able to meet him when he's in some sort of broken cycle. And she recognizes this quickly. And then she decides that she is going to step away. Now, you have to decide as the woman when you're going to do that, when that is something, you know, that you kind of get to that point in your life. But that's again being very picky, very choosy about. Even even men who are kind of in that kind of top tier kind of space, right? You are still selective. Therefore, you are this high value woman. So keep being selective. Keep working on yourself. Keep growing and changing and keep doing, you know, a lot of your own self-discovery and healing work. Um, if you would like to be a part of a community of women who are healing their wounds, their trauma, um, you can absolutely join us over in our Create Love Freedom Members Club. We believe that we are our own best self-healers, and we also believe over in the Members Club that we heal better together, especially as a community of women. So. In our members club, it is a subscription. There is a free portion, but you only get a few of the benefits. Um, if you want access to the monthly calls, um, if you want access to the course material, meaning the master classes that I put out, basically it's a new self-healing topic each month, uh, then 
uh, you can join our monthly subscription in the, in the members club and it is $29 a month. And yeah, we really get into a lot of stuff. We really uh, dive into, you know, a lot of the core wounding that we've got. Uh, so for September, we are looking at emotional neglect in relationships. And emotional neglect is a space that is particularly close to my heart because of the last few relationships I have been in, and even with my mother, a lot of emotional neglect. And it's actually something I'm going to research um, a lot further, do my own research on. Uh, but in August, we looked at the nervous system and polyvagal theory. We've looked at enmeshment, fear of commitment, uh, the fear of rejection, healing the need for validation, how to move on after a breakup when there's been no closure. The fear of intimacy, self-limiting beliefs, the abandonment wound. We dive into this in our master classes, and uh, there's a series of videos for you, and also a workbook to go through so that you can continue to refine what does high value mean to me, um, and how do I really create the life that I want? How do I heal some of the wounds and the trauma? How do I keep moving my life forward? And how do I live the absolute best life I possibly can? If you want to join our members club, you can go to at Create Love Freedom on Instagram and you can click on the link in our bio um, and it will take you right to the uh, to the app. Um, we're using the Mighty Networks app so you have access to the members club at any time. You can pop in your headphones and watch the videos and, and do those kinds of things. So. Um, I also have a free quiz out right now, um, and that quiz is Where Are You in Your Feminine Reclaiming Process? I very much believe that reclaiming is necessary. I've had to reclaim my own feminine. So uh, you can take the quiz and kind of determine whether or not you are the wounded feminine, the distorted feminine, uh, the awakened feminine, or the divine feminine. And Again, this is not always linear, right? Uh, but you know, we can vacillate every once in a while, or or sometimes between those. Uh, but again, you can go to uh, at Create Love Freedom on Instagram. Click on the link in our bio and uh, take that quiz. And at the towards the end of the quiz, there is a space for you to leave me your email address um, because right now I am in the process of creating the feminine reclaiming course where we really look at all of the wounds um, that really kind of cause you to be stuck in the wounded and the distorted feminine and how to move into your awakened state, uh, what that awakened feminine space looks like and how to move into your divine space. And in that divine space, how do you really co-create uh, those deep relationships that you're looking for? the life that you're looking for, and also really putting your purpose into the world. So if that's of interest to you, after you've taken the quiz, send me your email address. Uh, the first 10 women who, because I'll send out an email letting everyone know, hey, the course is ready. And um, if you send me your email address, I will send you an email saying the course is ready. And for the first 10 women who sign up, you will get a 50% discount. And you will also uh, be there to give me a little feedback about what you thought about the course. How can I make it better? What needs to stay? What can go? And, um, you know, then I can refine it for 
uh, for women as they take the course in the future. So I hope that this topic, this discussion was helpful for you today. Um, if you would like to get a hold of me and share your story with me, you can do so. My email is createlovefreedom at gmail.com. Until next time.